This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. Uh, that's a great hockey game over there. That was a hell of a hockey game, so I'm not worried about the start. Give them credit. We, we bent a little bit, yeah, but you're not going to dominate that. You're not going to go out there and dominate that team. Nobody in this league is going to dominate that team for 60 minutes. So when they're coming there and start uh, start like that, okay, bend a little, just don't break. And we played through it, and we did. Welcome to the show, Cam Poitras, Jim Toth. Jim, how you doing? How are you doing? feeling about the Winnipeg Jets and the 2-1 win well, over the Carolina Hurricanes? I mean, that's a good win. I've been saying yep. for a couple of good weeks now that this team continuously finds different ways to win. Was it a Picasso? No. Did they have it sort of taken to them in the first period? Yes. Was Laurent Brossoin outstanding? Yes. But that's what good teams do, right? They find different ways to win games. So I was pretty impressed with another win over the Hurricanes. Absolutely. And to talk about it, a man that uh, yesterday was announced uh, as a uh, the recipient of a three-year contract extension with the Winnipeg Jets, Nito Nito Ryder joining us right now. Hey, Nino, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing fantastic. Good, Nino. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Um, Thanks so, for having me, guys. Yeah. So, I mean, when this this I mean, you showed up in Winnipeg. You were acquired at the at the deadline by this organization from the Nashville Predators. When did you start to feel? Well, when we can get to the game last night, but I want to talk about your contract first. When did you decide uh, that this was a place that um, you, you you wanted to stay and you were going to consider signing uh, to a, a medium to long-term deal? I mean, it's tough to say. I don't think there was a certain moment where I felt, okay, now I want to I wanna be a part of the Jets uh, for, for a long term. I think it's just like, I mean, the city kind of starts growing on you, the, the team starts growing on you, and I mean, once you get traded, I mean, you just try to get through the season and kind of regroup and leave a good impression, and then training camp starts, and Obviously, you heard the big news with Bucky resigning in Shives, and then all of a sudden you feel like, okay, I mean, that would be a cool place to stay for longer because I feel like there is a, it's a good solid window still still open to have a chance to go deep in the playoffs. So then uh, it's a matter of hopefully they want you to be a part of the, the of their future and you want to showcase yourself and do whatever it takes to, to earn another deal. So I'm, at the end of the day, very fortunate to be a part of it. Obviously, you're happy to have signed the deal and want to be here, Nino, but what? how tough is it not to go to free agency, or is it pretty easy when a team that you like uh, has interest in you? And to be honest, I mean, I've only been to free agency once, and uh, it's, it's it's scary out there, to be quite honest with you. I mean, you you see, you have to wait. I mean, my first free agency, I mean, I had to wait till like, Palat and Murkowski and probably Marshman signed, and then you're kind of the next man up, so it's like it's, it can be way great for some players and then can be a little tougher for, for some. And then all of a sudden, I mean, there's a lot of uh, spots that are also going to be taken. And then you kind of have to see and, and obviously prove yourself, okay, I mean, where should I go? What could be another good fit for you? And But mm-hmm. so, uh, I mean, I'm very happy that I don't have to go to free agency because it's, uh, the market is tough out there. And I feel like the the high-end players, they, they obviously take care of the most of the cap. So a lot of people think going to free agency – cap hit is going up for 4.7 million I believe for 4.2 and that usually goes right to the the top bank guys and kind of like the middle guys are staying the same or maybe have to take less and I mean it's uh, it's not like that money spreading around all the players it's usually the high-end players get that money yeah you uh you might be the only person on the planet that didn't want to raise yeah, I mean, on, to, to be honest, I think I, I'm very happy or fortunate to get uh, get a three-year deal with, uh, with that amount, and I feel like that's kind of 
was hoping to be around there because I feel like that's what I'm still capable of doing, hope for the next three years and still a lot of money and I'm happy to have it. So it was the three-year deal. That was a really, really big part of, of wrapping this up for three years and then just put it aside and, and worry about it when your career hits, hits that level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, by the time that uh, the deal is done, I'm going to be 35. And I mean, I'm trying to do my best to, to be as good as I can till till then. And I mean, the biggest reason also is, I mean, I'm fairly close to a, a thousand game. And that's always something in your, on your mind, too, when you kind of get closer and you want to give yourself the best chance possible. And to, I mean, to be healthy, almost every single game is going to be it's going to be hard. But I feel like I'm capable of, of doing that. And I feel like that gives me a great chance for that and plus I mean obviously the bigger reason I mean gives you with this year including three more years a chance to hopefully uh, win a cup we do want to talk about the season and get into the game last night but just one last one on the contract what was it about the city that that sort of you kind of fell in love with as well as the team I mean honestly I mean obviously the the city doesn't represent right away what you get I mean you have to look for uh, for a lot of things to go and I think once you get to know certain spots I mean it's it, it's a fun, it's a fun, neat city, and I think the the people are super friendly everywhere you go. They're uh, super polite, and I think that's something which uh, goes a long way. Uh, a, a tough game against a real tough opponent. Um, I mean, a, a former head coach of yours, Rod Brendamore. We spoke very nice about you in the in, in the pregame there. Um, what what were your thoughts about about the game and, and the team's effort? I mean, it's a it's a tough team. I mean, you know exactly when whenever Carolina or you play against Carolina. Mm. When I played there, I mean, you gotta you got to work extremely hard against a team to be able to, to beat them. And you got to have patience. I mean, they come at you wave after wave after wave and uh, they play simple games. They play as straight up North game as you can play probably. And uh, I mean, you just got to stick with it and, and find a way to, to get a couple goals. And then, yeah, it's definitely not a pretty game, but it's uh, it's very successful for, for them, obviously. What, what, and uh, played against them, it's definitely not easy. Yeah, what's your feeling when you're when you're kind of going one line over the boards, another line of the boards, and they just keep coming and coming and coming? You got to wait, you know, sixteen minutes and thirty seconds or so to get your first shot. I mean, what's sort of your mindset and 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 how you feel about about the game sort of unfolding before you? I mean, the whole shot clock and all that. It's it's kind of like the tough one too. I mean, they literally shoot from every everywhere, and. You know that's that's how they uh, they they uh, create the chaos and that's how they want to pursue the game. But I feel like for us it was very important just to stay with it and uh, don't uh, don't bend and just like be be in the moment and and, and wait till your chance gonna come because I mean we knew exactly they're gonna shoot from everywhere at any time they they can and obviously the most of the nights they have more shots than the opposing team. That's just the way they play and uh, I mean most of the shots came from the outside. So I think that's where we took a pretty good job with uh, keeping it there. They didn't have that many shots in the, in the high slot and all that. So it's, uh, it looks worse than it felt, I feel like. Uh, Jets forward Nino Niederreiter joining us today on Jets at Noon on 680 CJOB. Uh, Nino, I know you haven't played all or every single game with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton, but predominantly there and been predominantly successful. Uh, what do you like about playing with those guys and why have you guys uh, been so successful and found so much chemistry so far? I feel like uh, each and every night we know exactly what to expect from one another. I feel like we're a hard-working line. And uh, last night we couldn't quite get the ozone game going, but we were uh, definitely very solid in defensively. And I think that's something which we which we uh, take very very lot pride of it and playing our system to a T and try to uh, 
to lead by example that way to have the other lines uh, go on and get the momentum when we have a long ozone time, then maybe Shive comes after and they can follow it up. And I think that's something which we take a lot of pride in. A big matchup coming against uh, the Colorado Avalanche on Thursday. Uh, what are your thoughts on that game? I mean, that's another uh, highly skilled team and with a lot of high-end talent. And I think we, we've been doing a pretty good job on the road to to play our game and uh, play simple and be patient. And I think that's going to definitely be going to be key and stay out of the box, obviously. Uh, what can you say about the, the chemistry and the team and heading out on the road and everything that's been going on? You've been on a couple teams now, and, and a lot has been said uh, prior to you getting here and, and a little bit this summer about chemistry in the room itself. Uh, how are you enjoying being around the guys and, and traveling and everything that involves playing hockey? I think it's been great. I think we get definitely get some longer trips early on in the season, which I feel like it always helps to uh, glue together as a team. And I think that's something which uh, helped a lot. And I mean, we had some new faces coming in and getting to now know the guys better and better. I mean, once you get traded, it's just kind of a matter of getting through the season and don't really get to know the guys on a personal level. And now you actually get to know everyone, you get there, know their family and the kids and, and all that. So it's, uh, it's, it's been great. And I think uh, definitely glued us big time together. You've also ingrained yourself in parts of that and taken on a hockey team to help them and, and parts of the community. Where does that part of you come from? Is that from your parents, Nino? Or, or where did uh, you haven't been here that, that long and you've already ingrained yourself in doing a lot of in the community off the ice? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, definitely that's something which my it's was big for my parents is too and for my girlfriend as well. I feel like I mean, we're such in a fortunate position and being able to help in the community and help in. In, in the city is, is definitely huge. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, that's where we, we get the money from, from, from the city as well. So it's uh, something which is important to give back and we're in a fortunate situation. So whenever there's a chance you can help out and put some smiles on some kids' faces, it's definitely a huge. Um, I want to ask you, what, what's hockey like in, in Switzerland? You mentioned your parents. How did, how did you get into, get into hockey? And, and you know, what, what, what's the kind of the big difference between Canada and Switzerland when it comes to the game? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I feel like Switzerland skiing is still very big, but I feel like uh, hockey is getting uh, bigger and bigger. And actually, my mom and dad they they watch hockey, and nobody really played. My dad played, I guess, every once in a while in the beer league, but uh, barely ever. And they never really wanted me to play hockey because it's such an expensive sport to play. But then uh, my neighbor played, so I ended up going and uh, fell in love with the game. And they obviously did whatever it took to. Uh, to buy me equipment and buy me sticks and all that. So I, uh, I know or know how hard it was for them to uh, buy me all this equipment. So that's also not a big reason why I had a chance to uh, step in with that, uh, with that team, which I'm, I'm following along, which is buying them helmets and skates or whatever they, they need, because I know it's, uh, it's hard on their family to, to play that sport. And it's an expensive sport, unfortunately. It's good to know Switzerland has some beer leagues too. That's awesome. Oh, absolutely, especially in my region. There's uh, something tough to get ice because there's so many teams. Uh, what, did you have a club growing up? Did you follow the NHL, or was it more of the Swiss League stuff? And more or less in the Swiss League stuff and the Olympics and World uh, Championship. Because to be honest, I mean, obviously, yeah, we we knew obviously the NHL exists and all that, but it just seemed so far away that uh, it seems like impossible to reach. And and now, obviously, with, with YouTube and all the social media, I mean, the NHL has definitely did a good job promoting the games over there. And always had a chance to go with Nashville last year in the Global Series over there. So it was, uh, it's definitely the, the NHL is growing big time in Europe and they follow a lot. And now you can tell, like, even I have uh, two sisters, they both have two kids. They uh, follow the NHL very closely. And 
their dream is to play over here one day and uh, you never know, but um, it's something which is great to see. How does it feel now being in the NHL? I mean, you said it felt so far out of reach at that time in Switzerland. Um, I mean, and and look at you now. Yeah, I know. It's a, I mean, as a a kid, you dream obviously playing for one game and then all of a sudden now you're here with something a little bit over uh, 800 games. So it's a, it feels uh, still a little surreal. I mean, you you know you're here, you're in daily grind, but I feel like once your career is probably over, then you kind of realize what you've been through, what, what I guess I've been doing the last uh, few years. So it's uh, looking forward to that moment, but right now I'm just uh, enjoying my time here and do whatever I can to be successful. You got to get your uh, your sister's kids a couple of Nita Rider jerseys for Christmas. Easy easy <laughs> gifts right there. I know. I, I got them right away. As soon as I got free, <laughs> I actually got them right away. And then I think one of my uh, my godchilds uh, told me, like, I think it's, you don't have to get traded anymore, but I think we're happy with one jersey. <laughs> like that. Hey, that's great. Hey, the three-year deal, you don't have to worry about that. Nita Nita Rider joining us, Winnipeg Jets forward. Uh, really appreciate the time. You're at 834 games. you got 166 to go, so uh, you'll, you'll be here in a Winnipeg Jets jersey when you hit that 1,000, so that's awesome. Thanks so much, Nino. Yeah, I really appreciate your time, Nino, and have a good road trip. Anytime. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, happy to have Nino back on the show. Uh, great interview. Uh, a lot really of pre- fun. Yeah. Great no. to hear that background about Switzerland and, and things like that, too. And he has ingrained himself. I, You know, we yeah. never know, but you see him helping out the hockey kids and stuff like that. Just sounds like a really all-round good guy. And interesting about the free agency, right? Like, yeah. It, it's really come down to the guys who know the money's going to be there and then the guys who wonder what's going to be there. Well, when you look at a three-year deal, you get the money, you got yeah. guaranteed money on your pocket. Good for him. It's tough to say no um, in this in the climate and where the situation is. And, you know, Nito, I remember that game back, the first game back at Canada Life Center after he got acquired from the Preds. He got into a fight, and I just remember the crowd went crazy and it's been a fan favorite ever since. So real happy to have Nito Nito Ryder and congratulate him on that three-year deal. Let's take a break. Let's come back. The Jets did win a game. We'll dig into that a little bit more 2-1 win over Carolina and uh, yeah lots more to get to including your text messages Shohei we gotta talk a little Shohei Shohei the money Shohei a blue jay question mark Shohei the money well okay we'll get into that too how has somebody not marketed that already probably because it's dumb (laughs) we'll be right back Jets at noon on 680-CJOB. Yeah, it's kind of funny in those games, whether it's, uh, you know, you're, you're the team that's getting a lot of shots against or you're the team that's shooting a lot. Uh, it, it always seems to be the other team that gets the, the higher danger chances on the, on the counter and, and off the rush, and, and that seemed to be what happened tonight. Loren Brassois there, 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Uh, 42 stops for Loren Brassois last night in the 2-1 win over the, the Carolina Hurricanes. Alan Texas show, he says, the game last night reminded me of Muhammad Ali's rope-a-dope victory with Ali bouncing off the ropes while Foreman uh, wore himself out, punching him. That one from Alan yesterday. Is that what it felt like to you yesterday, Jim? Uh or did you think the Winnipeg Jets were sort of more in control of that game uh, than maybe um, than maybe it looked? Well, Nino Niederreiter just basically said, he goes, shots, and it's funny, right? Like, players hear 40 shots, and they're like, yeah, but that team shoots from everywhere. Um, I forget who was on the post game yesterday who played with Brent Burns. Oh, Brendan Dillon played with Brent Burns for about five years. Yeah, the Sharks. And said, uh, that guy literally shoots from everywhere. Like, I've played with him for years, and he literally will put the puck on net from absolutely anywhere, and that's a shot on net. That being said, yes, Loren Bersouant was the difference in last night's game by a mile. 
I think that was not only his best game of the season, which was easy because he mm-hmm. hasn't been, you know, stellar. Been shaky. But um, that is also, I think, his best game as a Jet in, in both incarnations of him here. He was absolutely brilliant last night and, and tracking Cam, like sh- shots through traffic in the being zone. deflected. He was in the zone late in the third when they were getting those chances and the glove save in close. Um, the left pad save that came through traffic that he was reading where it was going to go off yep. a deflection. Um, he was outstanding. And Rick Bonus, I mean, he said that in the postgame. That was the reason why they signed him is exactly why they resigned yes, him. Yes, exactly. And that's why a month ago I said, um, well, I, I think it was a month ago or maybe other, but um, you weren't here, but I said, like, if if other teams, you look at their starting goalies, if they go down, you have worries. Like, you go, uh-oh, I don't have that worry because I think Lorraine Brisson can play like he did last night. Yep. So if they go into the playoffs and Hellebuck has to miss a week. I'm I'm not all of a sudden going, uh-oh. I'm going, well, he can do this. Yeah. And that's why from he can play like last night. But that being said, they found another way. That's a very good Carolina Hurricanes team. Um, but I again the Jets counterpunched when they needed to. They withstood the 16 shots or 15 shots. And then the plays, like those goals. I, I saw off, Rod, the, off the rush, just transition right yeah. into it. A great A chance. Uh, Kyle Connor did a great job breaking free there on that puck, and then just went right to the net with it and, and scored. That was a huge goal. I mean, I mean, w- w- listen, Carolina dominated the offensive play in that first period. There's yeah. no way getting around it. They were totally in the zone. They were pushing and all that. But to take out of the first 20 minutes after what happened in the first period to be up one, nothing. Yeah. I mean, God, that's that, got to make you feel good. And then you saw them totally level off in the second. And then the second they, they said, okay, we're okay. Yeah. Like we got through yeah. this and then we counterpunched and we're up. And yeah. then you start going. I liked what Rod Brindamore had to say post game when they said, well, that's, that's a good hockey team over there and blah, blah. And, and they said, what makes them good? And they're like, well, they're just, first of all, they're high-end talent. And he said, let's be honest, it's not every night, but tonight their high-end talent was the difference. Yeah, That number one line won them the hockey game. Them and Laurent Brassois won them the hockey game. Both those goals were dynamic. Both those goals were a lot of sync in chemistry between Shifley, Connor, and Ehlers. And Ehlers talked about that in the 680 CGB postgame show last night too, that he's been around Shifley, not on his line, but yeah. been around Shifley enough that he knows what he does and where to go. And he goes, I was just trying to get high enough that the puck could get through. Um, but that's what Rod Brindamore said. He goes, their top six is just as good as anybody's. And I, I we can debate that, right? Go around. I'm not going to go one way or the other, but it's very, very good. And and when you, he's right. Who scored the goals last night? Both of them came from that top line. Got a text here, uh, 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868 says, Brassois should play till he loses a game. Hellebuck should start the next game. What? Hellebuck's going to play against the Carolina, Colorado Avalanche on Thursday. Um. Well, the, the, I see the the same text or texted back in March with a that, just need a better. Oh, that was March. Yeah, okay, so I'll say that it was that last time. Yeah, uh, look, I don't. <laughs> is it Free for All Friday? <laughs> <laughs> that on Free for All Friday, uh, go. Ah, I had to I'll read think that. about I, it. I, I love it. You know what? I appreciate the text so much. Whoever sent that two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight persuade a great effort. They're going to need more of that down the stretch here. But listen, Connor Hellebuck is the number one goaltender on this team, and that's not how this team operates. It should not operate. By just all of a sudden, okay, Brassois is going to play till he loses. What I, no, 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 no. What no. I will say to the texter, look, look at how though, is he's going to play more the, now. Look, exactly. Look how Hellebuck has played over the last month. 
Yeah, I look just, at the numbers. Look at the analytics. His, Bersois his should play till yeah. he loses a game. Bersois, what this will do for that texter is Bersois will play more. Yeah, I have no problem with him, and we can look at the schedule. I think there's a back to back coming up, which is the next time I thought he would play. But I think that you know this shows that, and you know the other reason he was brought back is not only because he's really good, um, and, and especially in the backup role, but him and Kyle Con- Connor Hellebuck, sorry, are, are really close, yes. really good friends. And this will, won't become – if all of a sudden Boursois is getting eight or nine more games than was originally planned to rest Connor Hellebuck for the playoffs or a potential yeah. playoff run, um, it's an easier thing than to go like, look, we don't – and I'll just say David Riddick because he was here last year, but yeah. whoever is back up, if you go, Connor, we're going to play about seven games less this year. Um, it's just easier when you have a good friend to go, well, you know what he can, I'm, I'm happy for him and stuff is that not that he's not good friends with the backup, but just, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Look, it, it, Connor knows if the backup's struggling or not. Connor knows that he can carry the mail and stuff like that, but it's just an interesting dynamic. But, uh, the back-to-back is San Jose and LA, right? So you go to Colorado, then you go to Anaheim on Sunday and then Tuesday, Wednesday, you have back-to-back San Jose, LA. Mm-hmm. I have no problem. I would think it would go Hellebuck. Um, it's kind of weird, eh? You're going down to Los Angeles for the 10th, then you go back up to San Francisco, then you go back to L.A. on a back-to-back against the Kings. Yeah, and having been to Anaheim, now I know where it is. Con- in, <laughs> compared to L.A., it's an hour drive, by the way. Yeah. Um, so it just, yeah, but I, I go in the back-to-back. Why not put Bersouin in on the 12th or Hellebuck on the 12th, and then would you trust Bersouin against the Kings? I do now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then the texter, I mean, David Riddick, he's the, the texter that I, we mentioned about Brassois should play until he loses a game. The texter says, Jets need a better backup, I presume, based on the fact that it was in March. That talking was, about yeah, David, David Riddick. Riddick. So and he's I, right there. I agree with you there, and the team also um, uh, agreed with you as well. 204-780-6860. I want to get a thought on, and I and I opened up with a clip um, uh, from um, from Laurent Brassois talking about this specifically about the 16 minutes and 30 seconds for that first shot here. Uh, and you saw a complete offensive zone control by Carolina in a situation like that, Jim. And I just want to get your thoughts on this. Does the pressure really start to build for Carolina? The game is still zero, zero. You you've held them without a shot for the first, you know, there's only three minutes and 30 seconds left in the, in the first period, the pressure is starting to build. Do you start to cheat a little bit? Is that what kind of happens? Because Laurent Brassois was speaking there and maybe I'll, I'll play the clip again here uh, because I think it's just a, sort of an interesting mindset. And I want to get your thought on it. Yeah. It's kind of funny in those games, whether it's uh, you know, you're, you're the team that's getting a lot of shots against, or you're the team that's shooting a lot. Uh, it, it always seems to be the other team that gets the, the higher danger chances on the, on the counter and, and off the rush. And, and that seemed to be, what happened tonight? I, I tend to agree. I seem to think that things do happen like that. When you have so much uh, pressure getting built, you're. You, I think maybe that's sort of a maybe it's a subconscious thing, Jim, where it's like oh, we're so close. We got to get one. It's got to come. We're. we're yeah. I mean, we, we, the odds are that we should have scored twice already. Um, the numbers suggest that. Like maybe we'll just cheat a little bit and we'll get one, and then finally we'll take on. I think there's some truth to that, and and I yeah, think it does do open too. up. I think it does open up. I think it's a. I don't think the Carolina Hurricanes were doing that on purpose. You start but pressing. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a subconscious thing. You start pressing and and you're getting all this opportunity. Hey, it's it's for sure a, an actual thing. I don't know if it's subconscious. I think it's conscious that when you're all over somebody and you're not yeah. getting rewarded and you're not getting a puck going in and you've got forty some shots. And you just can't beat somebody. It starts weighing on your mind. For sure it does. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I I heard on social media last night, a couple people reached out to me was um, they can't score empty net goals. 
And then they made fun of Blake Wheeler for all the empty net goals he had. I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you. It's not easy. I mean, Kyle Connor had his stick hit right at the last second, like, but um, they have struggled to hit the net a couple times lately they when have. the net has been balled. I don't think it's an issue, but it was funny how some people reached out to me about that. Uh, this was something I liked yesterday. It was in the in the uh, the jacket ceremony. Of course, the Jets they gave away two jackets at the end of the game for uh, the guys in the locker room that you, they felt were the um, were the were the were the best players and, and helped the team the most in, in picking up that win. Alex Iafalo had some big blocks there. Uh, during that game, he was the recipient of one of those jackets. He's pointless in his last nine games, uh, but two blocks. And I, I just wanted to say, like, that's sort of the Winnipeg Jets right now where they have, uh, uh, you know, like it, it's sort of the conversation continuing about the depth of this team. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, okay, Alex Iafalo hasn't chipped in a point in nine games, but he's still being finding another – he's finding yeah. other ways to to help them win. And, and, I, and I think that's just a, a good little nod. I just wanted to talk about that. He did that against Chicago too, and he was really good at it last yeah. night. He go, he would get the puck back. He would win some puck battles and get it out of the zone, and he would get the puck into the zone. He did a great job yeah. of that against Chicago, and he did it again last night in some key moments um, where it doesn't show up on the score sheet, but he was the guy who got it over a line when it needed to get over a line or into a different zone, and and he did really well at that. And I liked that when he got the jack last night because I thought, man, he had a really good game last yeah. night. Uh, this one's from Todd, 204-780-6868. When I listened to Nino talk, we had Timu, uh, Timu, we had Nino, Nino Ryder on the program at 1210. If you miss that, find us, uh, put the, find us on a, on all the podcast networks. You can find us on Apple. You can find us on Spotify, Jets at noon, J-E-T-S at the at, like you're sending an email noon. Um, and you can find us there. If you miss that conversation, um, great way to listen to it, of course, and subscribe to the podcast. That's always awesome. Uh, so you never miss the show, but this one's from Todd and, uh, just, uh, about our conversation to kick off the show with Nino Niederreiter. When I listen to Nino talk, I can't help but think about Timu, uh, of course, talking about Timu Solani. I know they're from different countries, but both are always positive and always a good interview. Also, both are very luckable and easy to cheer for. Might turn out to be one of the better signings the Jets have made on and off the ice. I will let you in on a little thing that happened in the newsroom today. And G Mac, Greg Mackling from the Star was very happy with what I said. Um, I said, Nino Niederreiter's this generation of the Winnipeg Jets, Matthew Perot. That's how I feel about him. Yeah, I could see that. Like yeah. Matthew was great that way too. Totally different players and all that, but just sort of the same sort players. of energy. The same sort of energy. The I, I I feel the same way about both of them. If if that makes any Look, sense. Look, I don't I don't think I don't know how to say this. Like they're not plugs or slugs or they're not the the bottom guys who just bounce team to team and stuff. Yeah, but the middle class player um, in this league, like the Matthew Perros, the the yeah. Nito Need Riders, on some teams they're the second line. On good teams, they're the third line, but can move up to the second. The Matthew Perot's, the Nito Niederreiter's, yeah. who can both play center or wing, those kind of guys, are invaluable. They really are. And I remember when Matthew Perot was was coming here, and um, it, it was about, I think he got a three-year, $9 million deal. So he was getting paid um, coming out of Anaheim and then Washington, of course, prior to that. But he said it was about the opportunity to play up in a lineup mm-hmm. and play center. And, and other positions. All players want to do is play, right? So what I mean about the, the and again, it's, they're not the plugs or slugs, but they're the, the fourth line guys who bounce around. Um, like the Trevor well, Lewis. Well, you don't need a writer. Just on the show, he just saw, he spoke, we're the, the, the middle yeah, class of the, the league. Middle, yeah. So the, referring to himself. That, but the Trevor Lewis is of the world who was here and then went to yeah. Calgary and he won a cup in the Kings, but now at his age yeah. and stuff, those guys. 
um, bounce around and they're kind of one dimensional. They're valuable to a team. They're good and and they're needed, but they do one thing and and that's check and be hard to play against and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The the middle class like Neil Niederreiter stuff are very valuable and I like that comparison to Matthew Perot. I think he's a little more skilled than Matthew Perot. Yeah. Um, but he, his other dimension that he brings is his size. Now Matthew Perot is feisty and and would get into it and would mix it up with you, mm-hmm. but he didn't have the size to do it right. Like when Nito, I said this a couple of weeks ago. Nino Niederreiter is just tough to play against. You don't hate him. You don't dislike him because he's such a nice guy and I never see him chirping too much. Although yeah. I've been told since I said that on the air that he chirps, don't get him wrong. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so he does have a, a little mouth on him and yeah. stuff. But he's just that guy that's tough to play against. Like, oh, this guy's coming again. Or who's who's bearing down on me? Oh, yeah. it's an, it, like he's just, his size and his tenacity is just annoying to play against. You, you make note of him when he's on the ice. That's for sure. 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. Let's take a break. Let's come back on the other side. Shoei Otani, is he going to be a Blue Jay? Show me the Canadian money. It won't be Canadian. No, they get paid in uh, Yankee bucks. 600. So during the season, I heard it was going to be 700 mil. What I thought about it, hitters get three, pitchers get four. 700 makes him. Now, I don't know if any team can do seven. Now, but here's. But if you get 600 million to him. This is the question I'll leave you with, and we'll take a break here with Shoei Otani. What is the revenue that he brings to that team by him being on it? Seven hundred million. That's the value. Easily. That's the value. It's more the than the jerseys too. alone. Yeah. T shirts. Skylar Peters images. was at a game and they were playing the Angels at Skydome slash Rogers Center, whatever they're calling it. And uh he said that there was more Shoei Otani jerseys than anything. He got it was a Jays crowd, but there was tons Skyler of kids. Skylar Peters got a Bedard jersey. I said, You just gave that guy fifty bucks. He just handed it to him. He's 18. We'll be, we'll he doesn't be, need a 50 bucks. We'll be right back. He's a kid. Needs five. Buy him lunch. Get a pop. Can't even go to a bar in the States yet. Parties when he's in Canada. We'll be right back. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB. Just got a text message from Jim, uh, from to Jim and I, from Wayne, 204-780-6868. Uh, didn't like Shifley losing two or three draws in the waning moments. There could have cost us the game. It wasn't for Brassois. How'd you feel about that one, Jim? Yeah, I agree. The, play, the, the face-off circle, again, in the last three to four minutes, they couldn't get the puck. Yep. And that's when they were trying to come back against Dallas and they couldn't win a face-off. And, um, and Jordan Stahl had a – like Connor McDavid the other night – or sorry, the Oilers when they tried to come yeah. back, they couldn't get the puck. Connor McDavid was 16 of 18. I don't know what Jordan Stahl was. I should look it up, but I thought he was 16 of 18. Um, I know he was three for three in the last three minutes of the game. You know, the analytics sort of suggest that face-offs don't really have anything – any correlation to winning and losing. But I will say this, uh, Jim, I, I, I think – Faceoffs, maybe it doesn't over the course of a stretch of a game, but maybe it's more of a thing where it's like in that it has it's like a moment thing where it's like in this moment a faceoff makes a big difference. Maybe well, it's something like that. If they get scored on and it goes to overtime, it's because they couldn't win the faceoff. Yeah, against Jordan the Stahl, Oilers, 80, they couldn't get anything going. Jordan Stall was eighty-seven and a half from the faceoff. Dog. It was ridiculous. Eighty-seven yesterday. and a half, yesterday. and and that's where I look for. Like I know percentages can be skewed and what the numbers are. I know that for every night that Adam Lowry is going to go three of. 14 that he's going to have another night where he's 11 of 15. Yeah. Um, it balances out normally and you have a bad night in the dot, you have a bad night in a dot, but you need that puck in, in the third period. And I understand if you're not, if there's six faceoffs in the last three minutes, I get that you're going to might lose two or three of them. You can't lose all six of them. 
Baseball, real quick here. Talking about Shohei Otani going into the break. Only got about a minute here. Is who's who's Shohei Otani going to sign with? The Dodgers are up there. The Cubs are in a part of the discussion, and the Blue Jays. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's the Dodgers, but I would not be shocked if it's the Blue Jays. And I, I know. know all Jays fans want this to happen. And and what my thoughts are, it would not surprise me in the least. And people go, oh, why would he say Toronto the Blue? But Roger Clemens signed with the Toronto Blue Jays. Josh Donaldson re-signed there. I, I mean, name the absolute bona fide Hall of Famer, juice taken out of it, Roger Clemens. They have signed some big names. They went out and got George Springer in a free agent deal. Yep. It's not like they they don't do this. I, I, I don't know why Blue Jays fans are shocked, because if I look at a franchise that has gone and made a splash once in a while, and they're at that time where they need a splash. Yeah, they, they, they need it an would, injection. It, I'll tell you this. It wouldn't surprise me if they got Otani and Soto. They're too talented to not win a series. Um, something's got to change there. And I will say this. My head tells me the Dodgers, which I don't want, but my heart tells me the Chicago Cubs. It's going to be Chicago the Cubs. Club. Yep. Nobody wants to play there. Not even Cody Bellinger. Stop it. Jim the Cubs. To- Come on. Jim Toth will take you. Paul Edmonds is angry at me right now. Jim Toth will take you all the way until 3 o'clock. You and Edmonds for- ever sit around and talk Cubs? We haven't yet, no. That's coming. Uh, the Cubs. Thank you very much, Jeffrey Forte, for producing the show. He's telling me to stop. Thanks, Jeff. Tell you when to stop, Jeff. Just kidding. You did a fabulous job. Love you, Jeff. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB.